wow, we serve a good and incredible God. Now, we are in the middle of a sermon series called Faith and Family, and we're, and we're standing on the statement of our faith, the statement of our faith, and we want to share in that together. And I, I want to, before we begin that sermon, I want us to share in a creed. You see, a creed is a statement of belief. That's what a creed is. We have several of them in our churches that we believe in in our hearts, and one of them is called the Apostles' Creed. And it's been a while since we've done that here at the 10 o'clock service, but friends, let us be reminded of what it is we believe. We live in a day and an age where in our culture, we don't really know what it is that we believe. We live in a day and age in some of our denominations and churches where we don't know what it is that we are certain of what we believe. And so friends, there are statements like this that reinforce our belief in our calling, that this is what we congregate for, this is what we're about, this is why we do what we do. So when we recite this Apostles' Creed, let's not do it like, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus. No, 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 this is what we believe, right? And so let's do it with joy and exuberance. And so I'm gonna have you get your exercise today. We're gonna stand up, and we're just gonna state out loud, this is what we believe as the body of Christ at Rolling Plains Church. And this is gonna set us up for then what we wanna see happen in our families in this sermon. Are you guys ready to do this together? With belief in your heart, right? Now, a creed starts off with, I believe, because that's what a creed is. So let's get going, ready? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven and is seen at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And let the people of God say, amen. This is what we believe, friends. This is what we believe. Have a seat, guys. Way to go, church. Way to go. So because we believe that, we are declaring a declaration of dependence of faith on God. We celebrate the declaration of independence and a freedom as a nation to be able to live free, to be able to practice our religious beliefs, to be able to have the freedom of speech, and, and we celebrate that every July 4th and the freedoms that God gives us. But friends, when we know Jesus Christ, we declare a declaration of dependence on God, a dependence of faith, and we do that in him with strength and purpose to guide us in all that we do, and in this case, in winning households. So Joshua 24, 15 is Joshua giving a declaration of faith to the households of, uh, of the Hebrew people that are about to, to settle in the, the uh, holy land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. And this is the declaration of faith that they make. It says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Why? Because we believe the stuff that we just believed in in the Apostles' Creed because that is the foundation and the formation of who we are. And so friends, for three weeks, we've been making this declaration of dependence, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so we've been looking to see what God's word has to say to us for wisdom and strength of what a faith-filled household looks like that honors him. We've been talking about family, marriage, and today we're gonna talk about parenting. Now, now friends, just before you check out if you're not a parent or if your ch children are longer living in your household, and by the way, you're still a parent, my mom and dad will always be my mom and dad. I just hung out with them yesterday and Friday, 
And I still lean into them to be my parents and to bring wisdom into my life. But friends, there's something that we can all gain out of God's word today, regardless of what station of life we might find ourselves. Now friends, we, be- we began two weeks ago with the foundation of a godly family, and that is uh, one man joining together with another woman, uh, one man and one woman in the flesh, the Bible says, the two become one flesh in the covenant promise of marriage and a loving and submissive surrender in that relationship, and that each has a unique and important role as husband and wife. Now, go back to week one, two weeks ago, we talked about and dealt with uh, the challenges of divorce and single-parent families, and friends, there's, there's, you know, we're not here to shame anybody. We're, we're moving forward, and, we're, and we're, we're believing God for new things and a fresh work in our life. So from this day forward, God is leading us and guiding us towards godly households. There's no looking back, friends. No looking back. But we're, we're just asking God to help us get better and to grow whatever our family looks like. You see, each in, of their own, in a family of a husband and a wife, they have unique roles as husband and wife and also as moms and dads. So, so here we go, right out of the gate when we talk about parenting. Uh, the unique role that a husband and wife have that God has given them is the... says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Who creates male? God creates male. Who creates female? God creates female. Do we create male or female? No, God creates male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. What do you guys think that means? Be fruitful and increase in number. Have children. (laughs) Yeah. Go out and have children. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God is saying, I am commanding you, I am destining you for a household of faith. When a husband and wife come together, when a man and a woman come together, that I would love to see you create an incredible household and and lineage. Now, friends, there's no shame for a, a man and a woman to come together in the covenant of Christian marriage and feel like they're not called to have children. That's okay. This isn't shaming. What God is doing is he's blessing households and saying, I give you my blessing. Have children. Procreate. Enjoy doing it, husbands and wives, and, 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 and go for it. And fulfill the earth and subdue it. Now, what I really love about this passage of Scripture is it gives us the permission to look at a pig and say, get in my belly. That's what I, I mean. Like, can we just be honest here? I mean, one of, the, one of the parts about rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air increase in number, uh, you know, um, in, in, in the sky and every living creature that moves in the ground. God has blessed us with such an abundance of resources, hasn't he? He's blessed us with so much, so much to care for us and, and, to, and to bless us with. And I, I just love it that he says, I've given you the pig so you can have bacon and, and sausage. And who has some bacon this morning, by the way? Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're in the Hebrews Cafe, you have some bacon this morning. And so there's just this beautiful thing to know that God blesses the earth with the resources to sustain the life that he's called us to have. He's calling us to have a family, and he's going to bless us with the resources to be able to care for that. And so he brings a man and woman together in the covenant of Christian marriage to raise a family. And so here's the good news. Having a child fulfills this command to contribute to God's creation. So if you're parenting, no matter how much you think you're blowing it, no matter how much you think you're struggling, at least you got one thing right. You signed up for the greatest adventure of all. Way to go, Mom and Dad. Way to go, Mom and Dad. Friends, sometimes we just need to celebrate the most small blessings in our minds and in our lives that we think just might be small. But friends, there's days where we think that we're messing it up, we're blowing it, and life is a struggle. We're not getting it right as a parent. And what God says is you did the first good and right thing in this moment in following my command to procreate and have a family. 
You see, you signed up for the greatest adventure of all, and that's raising a human life. And therefore, you are an instrument of God's creativity and his many blessings. Now, let me say that of grandparents who are guardians. Let me say that of guardians who are guardians of children. And, and again, we have all kinds of different kind of makeups of family here. And what we're talking today about the blessings of parenting. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, guardians, whatever that might look like in that moment. Friends, in Psalm chapter 127, verse 3, the Bible says, are you ready for this? This is good. Children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring, a reward from him. It's good to keep in mind, isn't it? What a a blessing. Children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring that are a reward from him. You see, friends, when God is calling you to a thing, he's going to equip you to do that thing, and he's going to provide for you to fulfill that thing that he's calling you to. And your family is a heritage, the Bible says. Your family is a heritage. And parents, he's all in with his power and wisdom for you and for your family. You are not alone. You see, God's desire for procreation for you and for me is something that he builds inside of us. It's part of our DNA. I mean, uh, you know, Ladies, some of you, when you were younger and you, and you, you were growing up in a family, it's like, gosh, I want to be uh, I want married someday. I want to have a family. It's just kind of inherently a part of our DNA. This desire to procreate is so strong, and that's why, friends, things like infertility is so painful. Just for a moment, things like infertility is so painful when you're unable to fulfill that desire to be a mom or a dad. And it can be heartbreaking But friends, I want to tell you that God is a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper, and he always has a plan. And there is hope, whether it be through natural childbirth or through adoption or foster care, God can still fulfill that call in your life to be a mom and a dad. And in our family, in the Alice household, we've lived through all of that. We lived through the blessings of foster care. We've lived through the blessings of adoption. We've lived through the blessings of of, uh, natural childbirth. And, and all because we first battled with infertility. It's one of the most lonely and heartbreaking things you can ever experience. And so if you're battling with that today, friends, I wanna tell you, there is hope. But there's such a strong drive in us if we, if we desire to be a mom, to be a mom, if we desire to be a dad, to be a dad. And so let me just speak to those of you that find yourself with an unexpected pregnancy. Because like I said, we battled with infertility. For years, we couldn't have children. We tried everything in medicines and, and temperature, taking temperature checks and this, this, and that. By the way, did you know this? The latest, the, have you heard them advertise that the, the, the latest Apple Watch can, can de, you know, de- detect and signature when, when um, uh, I heard them advertise this, when a woman is ovulating and, and the temperature changes in your body, this latest Apple Watch uh, that might be helpful in these situations. I don't know. It's just crazy, the technology that we have. But Aaron and I were at that place. We were checking temperatures. We're, trying, we're going to the doctor, trying to take this medicine and that medicine and trying to have children and seeing uh, professionals. And it was, it was so difficult and it's such a struggle. And then we discovered the beauty of foster care and then adoption. And once we had the beautiful opportunity to adopt, then all of a sudden God brought natural childbirth into our life. And we were praying for rain. We were praying for children. And then at one point in time, when Aaron told me she was pregnant for the second time, I stopped praying for rain. She came down to me. We still had some foster children in our house. Uh, we still had one of Austin and Tana's uh, uh, step, um, uh, half-brothers uh, living with us in that moment. And, um, and, and Isabel was born, and, and Eric came down, and she says, you need to turn off the television set. And I said, I think I'm in trouble. She said, I didn't say that out loud. This is what guys think. was, like, okay, I'm in trouble. What do I do now? And she says, I'm pregnant. And I didn't say anything right away. I couldn't speak. I was speechless. And, and so she very quickly followed with that is, are you excited? 
And I gave one of the most profound responses and loving responses to this day that, that a man could possibly give that Aaron still doesn't appreciate to this day. And I looked at her and I said, that's one of the things I'm feeling right now. That's all I had. That's, that's all I had. Yes, I was, I was excited and I was scared to death. And I was like, Lord Jesus, I can't take another raindrop. Let this be the last one. This is it. And that raindrop is Elizabeth. Praise be to God. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I was so overwhelmed in that moment, but God has blessed our family nonetheless. We have four beautiful children, and I'm here to tell you there is hope. There is hope. A miracle provision, uh, whether adoption or birth. And so for, for those of you who find yourself with an unexpected pregnancy, and you find yourself scared and concerned and uncertain about what the future holds. Friends, I'm here to tell you there are families out there that are desperate for your child and to adopt your child and to bring your child home and call that child their own, to have a child of their own. Your pain can be an opportunity for God's miracle for them to be able to be parents. Friends, there is, there's no such thing as an unwanted pregnancy. That child is always wanted by somebody somewhere. And friends, I wanna encourage you that here at Rolling Plains, we're not only gonna challenge you to say, keep your child, but we wanna resource you and bless you in any way we can to support you in giving birth to that child, no matter what your circumstances are. We wanna help you and point you in the right direction. Friends, there's no shame. There's no shame for decisions we've made in the past. We're only taking from today forward and we're moving forward, but we're saying as a church that all children are a matter. All children are a beautiful creation, a reward, an offspring of God, a heritage from the Lord. And so we're gonna come alongside of and support any mother that we can. So parents, remember that whenever you're in the weeds or whenever you're going through a difficult time, that your child is a beautiful creation, a heritage, a gift, and a reward. Now, friends, yours is a huge responsibility. That's why we need God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the church body to raise godly and fruitful families together. Amen? We need each other. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it really talks about the importance of parenting. Parenting makes it into the top 10 of God. It's number five on the list. It's in God's top five. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the Bible says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. So it's in God's top five. It says, moms and dads, you are significant to God's plan. God is saying, you're significant to my plan. What God is saying is you are a higher power and you are a higher authority on earth that prepares your child to live for the highest power. And that is as a child of God. And so parents, our task is to live as, as God's high power and God's authority with our children in order to introduce them to the highest authority they can have, and that is the Lord our God. You see, and then on the flip side of that, God is going to use your children uh, to keep you humble as an adult. That's, that's what, that's what it's, a, it's a give and take, it's a gifting situation that we have an opportunity to be a higher authority for that child, but that child has a chance to keep us humble, keep us from being self-centered and selfish. That's what children do to parents. All of a sudden, as a parent, you realize it's not just about me. I've got this child to take care for. I've got to care for. I've got this baby to take care of. And so parenting, friends, it will keep you humble. Can I get an amen from somebody? It will keep you humble. It's like, Lord Jesus, if I don't have your help today, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And we gotta figure this out together. And so here's three biblical truths to parent with a purpose. We're gonna parent with a purpose, friends. We're not just gonna wing it. We're gonna parent with a purpose, and God teaches us three biblical truths to do so. And here's the first one. There is loving training only you can give. There is loving training only you can give.
train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Keep that in mind, in the way. You're training them now to prepare them to leave the nest later and equipping them to go out into the world and have their own life potentially and eventually have their own family. And so God is saying to you as a parent, your job is to impress the way on their heart as a foundation set up for the rest of their life, for the rest of their life. And so mom and dad, each of you have a role in this opportunity, and there's no pressure even though there feels like it, because God's in control and God is over this. But friends, as parents, we've gotta be certain that our identity and our self-esteem and our worth and our purpose is grounded in a loving creator God. As parents, we gotta check ourselves. We gotta make sure that God is our authority, that God is all in in our lives and in our hearts, that he's the source of a healthy mindset, a healthy attitude, a healthy resolve, that our fulfillment comes from Christ alone so that we have a resolve as a parent and a trainer. And so why do we have to have that? Why do we have to have that moment where we're grounded in Christ, where where God is our source of provision, where he's the source of our heart, where he's the source of our focus, because there's gonna be a day where your child looks at you and says something like, I hate you. Or, I, you know, why do I have to do this kind of thing? Or, I, I don't wanna do this. Friends, if you're a trainer, you ever been in a training relationship and your trainer's got, got you on the, on the treadmill and you're going 100 miles an hour and you're sweating or you're lifting and they're putting more weight on there or whatever it is, and there's moments inside of you where you're thinking, man, I hate this guy. I hate this gal. You might even jokingly say that to them. I, was, I don't care for you right now. And, and they're like, that's okay. Here's another plate. Ooh, ooh. Give me 10 more reps. You know, give me five more minutes. And he's pushing you and he's challenging you and struggling you. And, and at the moment, you don't really care for them all that much. That's the nature of training, friends. But at the end of the day, you're thankful for the push. You're thankful for, for how they're giving you the shove and the nudge into that way. So friends, we gotta be grounded so that when our children push back at us and, and things feel personal, we don't have to be so personal in that moment. We say, that's okay, son or daughter, I love you. And I'm gonna continue to show you the way and the, and the right way that God wants us to live. And that's okay if you feel that way because I know someday you're going to appreciate this. And my love is grounded in Jesus Christ, so I'm not gonna waver because my child in this moment has a certain amount of feelings towards me that maybe I wasn't hoping for. And so we have to to be strong in the Lord. We have to be strong in the Lord so your child does not serve to fulfill a void in your life. Listen to this now. We have to be strong in the Lord, and we have to have Jesus fill all the voids in our life so that our child is not there to serve to fill a void in our life where we begin to be unable to actually release them and empower them to leave the house someday in a codependent relationship. Let me, let me share. This is the greatest news of all, friends. This is the definition of parenting. Train up a child in the way they should go. And all of the Lord's people said, hallelujah, Jesus, thank you, amen, right? My, my parents, you know, they loved living with me, but they looked forward to the day that they raised me up in the way that I should go. That's the goal, to make, the, to make a, 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 an individual uh, independent in the world, but totally dependent on God. Raise up a child in the way they should go. And we have to have a grounding in Jesus Christ to be able to let our children go and do that. Dads, we gotta be careful not to live vicariously through our child, signing them up for everything under the sun that we never got a chance to do when we were kids, or signing them up for everything under the sun that we did really well as kids and we can no longer do because we, don't, we lack the physical uh, you know, prowess to be able to do it. And so all of a sudden, we're living vicariously through them and whatever that might be, dads, we gotta be careful with that. We gotta be grounded in Christ. Moms, you gotta be careful and grounded in Christ that, 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 that your child does not fulfill a void of lost intimacy, uh, maybe as a single parent 
Or moms, maybe uh, you're still married, but you feel like a single parent because there's just a total lack of his intimacy there. Your, your husband and their dad and father is just totally shut off or whatever it might be. So friends, we've got to be grounded in God and Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to have a firm foundation of footing of belief uh, where, we, where we know where our identity is, and that is in Jesus, not in our children. Because if we're not careful, the child can become a focus of a family. A child can become a focus of our lives, become the focus and very identity of our family. And when we live that way, we wind up raising children that think that they are the center of the universe, and they wind up living a spoiled and entitled life. And friends, we've got to make sure we're healthy about this, and God gives us the way. The best thing that we can do for our children, the best relationship that we can give them, is to put the focus of the household on a strong and godly marriage. I'm going to say something controversial right now, and that's good news because most of Scripture is controversial because it's countercultural. God's Word is, have you noticed that God's Word is counter to the direction that our culture is heading? And therefore, God's Word is counter to what we feel in our flesh. Friends, the most important relationship in your household is not between a mom and their daughter or a mom and their son. The most important relationship in a household is not between their dad and, and, and a daughter and the dad and the son. The most important relationship in a household is a godly marriage. And that ought to be the focus in the household and in the relationship, is that the focus of the family is on God strengthening a marriage that sets up the children to watch and observe healthy interaction as they, as they watch mom and dad navigate conflict, as they watch mom and dad endure together with a patient, patience and a love. And it reinforces uh, that the world does not revolve around the child, but that the world revolves around their authority, which in that moment God has given them as their parents. Your child will have plenty of friends. Your child will have plenty of influencers, good and bad. What they need you to be is to be their parents, to be their parents. And that requires a certain amount of security in your life with your God in a loving relationship so you can train them up in the way they should go. By the way, what is the way? What is the way that we are to train up a child? Now, there's somebody referenced in the Bible that is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through him. Anybody know who that is? Jesus. You see, the way isn't a formula. The way isn't even necessarily a destination. The way is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you, friends, cannot get parenting wrong if you teach your child the way, if you introduce them to Jesus Christ in a relationship. It's the goal that God has for every household of faith with children to train up a child in the way they should go. What is the way? I love it. Jesus is the fulfillment of this command in, in Proverbs. Jesus is the way. He is the way that they should go. And we can't get it wrong when we introduce them to that way in Jesus Christ. Which leads us, if we're going to train our child in the way, it leads us to number two. Here's the second biblical truth to parenting with a purpose. Discipline is a form of love. Discipline is a form of love. Of course, if you're going to train somebody, there's going to be discipline that comes with us. And with it, we live in a culture that is lying to each other and lying to every single one of us. In order to love someone, you must support all they do and all they say and every choice they make. That's what culture is teaching and preaching these days. But as a parent, we know that's not true. Unconditional love is not unconditional approval. No, you're not going to have that second gallon of ice cream, right? We don't approve of everything that our children does in that moment. See, parents push. We push back. We correct. We rebuke. 
and we steer our children in the right way. If there is a way that is right, then that means there is a way that is wrong. Is this, does this make sense to anybody? I mean, there, there's a right way to live, and there's a wrong way to live. And as parents, it's our job to offer discipline when our children get off of that path or off of that way, and namely Jesus, that God has given us them to teach. In Proverbs 13, 24 is a very controversial verse that a lot of people misunderstand. It says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Friends, you need to understand the context of this. This word, spare the rod, you know, I think a lot of people look at this as, well, is God saying that you're supposed to beat your child? I mean, you're carrying a rod and just, you know, horse whipping everybody, you know, and, and is that, is that a, a means for corporal punishment? Now, friends, if, if you practice spanking in your household, that's really up to you. I was spanked as a child, and I came out pretty normal. I, I mean, I, I'm doing okay. You know, I, 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 I mean, I suffer from a few syndromes since being spanked, like the syndrome of discipline, the syndrome of respecting my parents, and all those kinds of things. But if, if you don't want those crazy kinds of things, then you, you might may do something different. I'm not here to advocate it or say it, but we're also not here to say that you can't be doing that with your children. That's the way that you may be called to raise them. What this is saying is that whoever spares discipline of their children hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. You see, a rod at that time was a shepherd's tool. It was a shepherd's tool in that moment. And what that means is, is that it wasn't something to beat your child with. It was something to just offer correction, something to offer guidance. A shepherd would have a, would have a, 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 a rod, and that rod would be there to, if the sheep was straying off to the left, that, that then, then the shepherd would tap the left side of the sheep, right? And the sheep would know to get back in line. And the shepherd would have, a, the sheep was going off to the right, the shepherd would take that rod and, and just, you know, tap the sheep on the, on the right and lovingly get them back in line. If the sheep needed to move, he'd tap the sheep on the bum and, and get that, ship, that sheep to move. If the, if the sheep was going in the wrong direction, he'd tap the sheep on the nose and get that to stop. It's not an instrument to, to beat your children with, friends. That's not what God's saying. What he's saying is, he, he says, that to love your child, you need to offer them incredible discipline. Incredible discipline. You see, children are hardwired to push the boundaries and buttons to find where the line is, to find direction, to navigate this uncertain world. And there's all kinds of confusion as a result of it. So they are waiting for someone to draw the line and to show them the way to live. And guess what, friends? That's your role as a parent. That's our role as a parent. You ever watch a toddler learn the lines? You guys ever had toddlers in your life? And, and you'll watch that toddler go right on the way to sinning while they're looking at you? Because they want to know at what point in time you're going to intervene. Like you say, Johnny, don't eat that second cookie. And what do they do? They're kind of walking over their cookie jar. Don't put your hand up on that cookie jar. No, don't you open that cookie jar. What do they do? They open the cookie jar. They grab out a cookie. They bring it to their mouth. If you eat that cookie, what do you you say? Something's going to happen. You're going to experience negative consequences. And all the while they're doing this, they're doing this. They want to see, a toddler wants to see if there's going to be someone there to offer them the boundaries, the lines, some kind of discipline. And that's what we do as parents. Your child, friends, now watch this. Your child is desperate for discipline. They're desperate to know where the lines of this life are because if they don't get them now as a child, they're going to be lost in this world. And there's so much uncertainty. There's so much fear in that moment when you haven't figured out what the lines of life are. And they may despise you now, but they're going to be grateful later, friends. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. I love that word. 
Friends, when we parent according to God's word, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The greatest gift a loving parent can give is to allow your child to experience the natural consequences of their behavior. And that might mean that we're not going to bail them out or defend them from time to time when we want to kind of try to stand up or stick up for our children. We've got to allow them to struggle with the natural consequences. And it's hard to do. It's hard to sit back and watch that. But we've got to trust in faith that a little bit of pain now, a little bit of training now on our watch is going to bring personal growth and right living into their life that they aren't going to depart from later when they're older and no longer under our watch and our authority. Now, we don't parent every child the same. We have have raised four children in our household, and we have yet to parent those children the same. Now, some parents might say, and even in that circumstances, sometimes our children say, well, that's not fair. Well, welcome to the first lesson of life. I'm here to tell you that every young person is going to get to the point where they're going to discover the biggest truth of life, and that is life is not fair. And if you've spent your life parenting your child to try to have fairness be a part of their life, then they're never going to experience righteousness. You can't have fairness and righteousness at the same time because you want to know what? It is, life isn't fair, and it wasn't fair that Jesus had to go to the cross to die on behalf of us in our sin, but you want to know what? He did anyways. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. So friends, your goal, parents, your goal is not to bring fairness into your household, but your goal is to bring the independent discipline that each one of your child needs, the independent direction, and it's going to be different for each one of your children. Nothing in life is fair, and the goal isn't fairness, it's the harvest of righteousness. But So at the same time, friends, let's not judge the discipline and the parenting of other people. Friends, you have no idea what goes on in households. Each child and each family has a different set of needs that requires different parenting. And when you have a parent that comes to you and you think their child walks on water and that parent comes to you and says, you just have no idea how difficult things are at home. And you look at them and you say, yeah, but they're a great kid. You wanna know what you just said when you said that? You're saying you're a terrible parent. That's what, that's what parents hear. Friends, can we just name this out loud? Every single child is a great child. Every single child is a great child, but I'm here to tell you there are households that struggle. You want to know why? Because they come to me. You want to know why they come to me? Because we've been very uh, open with the challenges and struggles we've had over the years as parenting. Parenting is not easy. It's tough. It's difficult. And as a matter of fact, over the years, there have been people in the churches that we served in Old Fort and here that have not appreciated our parenting. In fact, I've, I've heard sometimes people leave the church because of the way that we've parented or not parented our children. And we can easily become so judgmental of the way that people parent. Friends, what parents need is support. We gotta support each other, not judge each other. We gotta gotta understand that yes, every child is a great child, but just because they're great in public doesn't mean that they're not a challenge at home. And so we gotta listen. The number of times I've sat down to just listen to people, just pour out their hearts and their souls that they're doing everything they can to raise a godly child in a godly household, but it's such a struggle. There's so much brokenness there, friends. And there's such a release when somebody looks at you and says, I get it. The most healing conversations that I've probably ever had is when I look at somebody and I say, you need to hear this because somebody hasn't told you in a while, you're a good parent, you're a good mom, you're a good dad. And people sometimes in that moment, they just start to weep because they don't believe that in their own heart because they, they, they believe what Hollywood teaches us, that we gotta have a perfect family, right? That the kids always have to be well-behaved all the time. Friends, that's not reality. And as a church, we gotta be there to support one another and love each other and to understand that there are gonna be difficult circumstances there, that every child is an amazing child, but, but in families, we're gonna struggle with discipline and we gotta be there to support one another. So friends, discipline is a form of love. 
and there's something that we can only give our child, and that's training. Thirdly and finally, we gotta set a godly example for our children. Set a godly example for your children. Your child sees all you do and all that you don't do. They hear all you say and all that they don't say. By nature, parents are models and examples to live by, and we are not perfect by any means. But that becomes an even better model when our kids see how we fail, and then when we fail, how we apologize, that we're not perfect, and we don't expect them to be perfect either. But you see, without God in my life, without the blood of Jesus Christ covering my sins, without his spirit being alive in me, I am not much to look at. I I am not much to follow. I'm just a big pile of flesh, big pile of self riddled with sin. Who wants to follow that? So what Aaron and I have decided to do all of our life that we've been able to be parents is to just simply point our children to Jesus, to point to his perfection that covers over our imperfection to set the tone of our household. Am I talking to some of the right folk here today? We gotta have that in our life because otherwise we're never gonna be that perfect parent. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six to nine, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I love this. Impress them on your children. What are you impressing on your child? The way. Raise them up in the way that they should go, and they will, in time, not leave that way. These commandments that I've given you today are to be on their, ha- their hearts. Impress them on your child. Does that mean that you're always, oh, coochie-coochie-coo all the time, you know, loving, cuddly, never offer any kind of, you know, st- you know strong push or challenge or, or, no, it says impress them on your child. That means sometimes you got to give your child a push. You don't want to go to youth tonight? Too bad. You're going anyways because that's what you need. You're going. Push. That's just, that's just our household. You know, and it's a, so it's a, impress them on your children. It doesn't just say, uh, touch them on the shoulder and see if that's what they'd like to do. Okay, you got to figure that out. You figure out what age that is. But talk about it when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. As parents, we are a role model. We are a model building a godly life in that household. And because they're going to do what they observe us doing, we got to make sure that what we're doing in their presence is evident that God is present in our actions, in our words, in our deeds, in our inactions, in our unspokens. When we say our household serves the Lord, we're keeping Sabbath, and we're going to make it holy as a family. Hey, family, we're going to get connected to a church. Hey, family, we're going to be grateful to God, and we're going to teach the biblical tithe to each other and practice it. We're going to serve each other. We're going to tell people the good news. We're not going to lose our temper as parents. We're not going to speak ill of other people. We're not going to freak out when bad things happen. We're going to just trust in the Lord. We're going to confess our mistakes. We're going to practice forgiveness, and we're going to do all this in the presence of our children because our children will learn by what they see in us, our actions and our reactions, and we're going to learn to live by faith because we want our children to do the same. We are living examples. Second Timothy, the Bible says this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I love what Paul's saying to Timothy here. He says, hey, listen, hold on to what you've known since, in, since infancy, the Scriptures that you know that continue to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Continue in the way that you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. He's talking about his parents. So friends, we raise up a child in the way they should go. 
so that later they will not depart from it. Your child is setting their life to the way that they see in the example that you're setting by the way you live. You see, we, 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 we got to raise our children on the word of God. We got to raise our children on a praying life. We got to raise our children on the reliance on the promises of God in all of our ways. We got to raise our children on the power of the Christian faith so that our children become convinced of the faith and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and becomes a part of their life. We gotta write it on our doorposts, on our gates, on our, on, our on our foreheads, on our hands. Everywhere we go and all that we do in our life with them is, is a teachable moment. We gotta show them the way and impress that faith, impress God on their hearts. Your kids are watching, they're listening. In every circumstance you face, you are a living testimony and an example. You are their life trainer. You are the one offering loving correction and redirection when it's needed. And in every way, you're patiently showing them the righteous way not to turn from it, but to raise their own households eventually in it, in the Lord. That's apparent. That's what we're called to do, friends. Action steps and we're done. Number one, what hinders us in training our children to go? What hinders us in training our children to go? Secondly, what kind of godly example are we providing? What kind of godly example are we providing? Number three, share a devotion with your child. When's the last time you sat down and shared a devotion with your child, no matter what age they are? Even your adult child, share a devotion together. My dad passes scripture back and forth to me all the time. I'm, I'm 50 years old, and he's still, he's still passing scripture, and we're still sharing it back and forth, friends. Let's pray. Lord God, these are hard conversations. And God, we acknowledge that parenting is one of those things that it is so different from household to household. Lord God, we're not here to judge and to shame, but we're here to read your word to understand your wisdom, to have your strength poured out into our life, to know the, the, the foundation of what it makes for a godly household, Lord God. Thank you that you've given us the gift to be able to experience the heritage of your blessing, and that is to have a child. Lord God, we lift up those that are not able to have a child as they had hoped and dreamed of, and those that are battling infertility. Lord God, we pray for those that are living in the midst of a, a scary pregnancy that they weren't expecting. And Lord God, we pray that in every circumstance that we would choose life and, and that we would realize there's no such thing as an unwanted pregnancy or child, Lord God, and that we would, as a church, come alongside and support moms and dads and families that are in these precarious situations, that we would not judge, but that we would love. Lord God, would you equip us to be bold as parents, to be lovingly bold and to offer discipline, to be okay when we don't necessarily have a, a really good friendship in this season with our child because they're really frustrated at the way that we're trying to guide and lead them. And God, you tell us that's okay because our main friendship is with you. Lord God, would you be our source of identity and purpose, God, so that we could have the freedom to be able to offer loving discipline and correction to our child. Lord God, we love you and we need you in our life. Show us this incredible way in our own life. That way is your son, Jesus. Let every single one of us walk out of here today knowing that you are the way, the truth, and the life in our life. Lord God, let us walk out of here knowing that we have that way that we can pass along and impart to our children and our grandchildren. Lord God, bless those families that are here today and, and it's a grandparent that's parenting a child or there's a guardian involved or there's a single parent or there's a struggling situation. Lord God, bless that household. There's no shame. We're moving forward, Lord God, and we're trusting you for the best. Lord God, we need you. Help us, Lord God. Help us as a family to help each other, as, a, as, as the church family. We are the body of Christ, Lord God, and show us what that looks like. We pray all this in your name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen and amen.
Friends, there's a lot going on in our life, and we want to have you have a chance to be prayed over. And this altar area is available for you to come forward.